My name's Brian. I'm uh, one of your pastors. I don't quite get the opportunity very much to, to speak, and so I'm thrilled uh, to teach to you this morning out of Ephesians. We're continuing our series. Uh, I'm a pastor of adult discipleship alongside with Jeremy Olam, Summer Montoya, and Corey Casperson. We make up our adult discipleship team. And uh, if you are interested in going deeper in your faith through the life of the church and getting connected into discipleship, we have small groups, men's ministry, women's ministry, uh, all sorts of different ministries that you can get involved with. Starting point is the place to start. Start at starting point. It's in the bulletin. If you'd like to get connected, see Jeremy and I through starting point, and we'll, uh, we'll help you get connected to the church. Uh, let's go ahead and start. We're going to read the uh, passage in chapter 5 of Ephesians, uh, 5, 17 through 21. We're going to start by reading the word and prayer, and then we'll talk. 517. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, going through Ephesians, we've just seen this amazing good news. Uh, We've heard the description of the life that we are putting on in Christ, that we're being saved unto. And Lord, we desire to live that life, that you would receive praise and glory through how we connected to one another are magnifying you and reflecting you to the world. And so we pray that uh, this word this morning would be inspired by you, that it would be effective in shaping us, uh, molding in us new habits and new power. God, we need your power to live these lives. We pray that you would do that through your Holy Spirit this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Paul has just, in Ephesians, uh, given us this beautiful vision of what life with Jesus looks like. And he describes this domain of darkness and this life that's lived in the light, that the thief is stealing, and in the light, that thief becomes a generous sharer and giver, that in darkness... uh, There is words that tear others down, that malign and slander. And in the light, the words are used to build one another up and give grace to those that hear. Beautiful picture of humanity. And actually, I look at it and I see tender-hearted, kind, humility, gentle. I love it. I want it. Life in Jesus. I'm inspired. And I hope you are too. And yet, there's a part of me when I read it that has a little bit of confusion A little bit of frustration is just being a part of the church for 25 years or whatever it's been. I've experienced kind of an unlocking of this life, and then in other moments, just a struggle. And I look at the people around me and even in my own heart, and I see this darkness that's still causing uh, confusion, pain, hurt. And I really believe, as I study and talk to other people and process our scripture, this morning that we are going to get this morning the key to unlock this life. Are you ready? 
the key to unlock this life. And, and it's going to surprise you because it's kind of normal. Okay? I, I'm a baseball coach. I do that in, in my spare time. And as a coach, I take these 8 and 10-year-olds, and I have the vision in my head of, of what it's supposed to look like. When someone fields a ground ball, I can see it in my head. And then I roll a ground ball to this eight-year-old, and it looks nothing like it, right? It's out of order. Limbs are out of order. It's all wrong. But in my head, I go, okay, we're going to start with this. Tostadas, not tacos. See what I get, what I'm saying? Your glove needs to be open like a tostada, not closed like a taco. It's really hard to feel, right? So we're just going to start really easy. Roll the ground ball, tostada. And I'm just like this, all practice. Tostada, tostada. And parents are like, what in the world? <laughs> Left knee, not right knee. Do you guys see this? Can you guys see? This is not a good fielding position, right knee. Left knee, great fielding position. Tostada on the left knee. Tostada on the left knee. Tostada on the left knee. And I know that if they will master that, we can move on to the next thing. Skateboard. Right? Skateboard position. Feed the apple to the giant. <laughs> Rip it out in front. Okay. All right. The kids, eight-year-olds, do they love this? No. No, they do it once, and then it's like, all right, let's move on. I know I can feel the ground ball. Coach, challenge me, right? And I know if they don't master that skill, they cannot move on to the next thing. And if they don't master that skill, they can't move on to the next thing. And I know in my head, just master these drills. And when the ball's hit to you, it's going to look beautiful. Trust me. What do they need in order to understand and really give themselves to these drills? They have to have the big picture. Right? What is Coach Berger's plan? And so I bring an iPad or my phone, and I, I show a YouTube of Javi Baez. He's my favorite infielder. Guys, watch this. I wish I had one right now. It was beautiful. And, and they watch it, and they go, yes. Do you guys want to feel like that? Yes, we want to feel like that. I can help you feel like that. Do you guys want me to help you feel like that? Yes, big picture, I see it, Coach Berger. Okay, here's what we're going to have to do. We are going to take little bits and master them and build on them until you will look like that. Are you guys ready? Yes. Now we begin the drills. And the drills now have meaning because what? They've seen the big picture. The unlocking of this new life in Christ is pretty basic. It's kind of like rolling balls. Easy drills, but we're mastering them, okay? But Paul starts with saying, do not be foolish or ignorant. Do not be unaware. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul is saying, before we get started on these drills, we have to see the big picture. And for that, I'm going to start with a story that's going to help us to understand what is God doing? What is the will of God? What is the plan of God? What is he up to in our world? And what does the scripture say? I find my place in that story. And there's a story of 
of five people, five friends that every morning go to Goodwill. And they wait Monday morning at the door before it opens because they know everything's been picked over over the weekend. They've restocked their shelves and nobody has seen this merchandise and they're just looking for gems. One is looking for furniture, one is looking for clothes, one is looking for vinyl records and one is looking for baseball cards. And then there's one who doesn't seem to be looking for anything in particular. So the door is open, everyone runs to their spot, they know exactly where to look, and then the one just kind of strolls and is looking amongst the outside fringe of the store, the piles that everyone's forgotten, everyone's looked at it and nobody's wanted it. And this one friend one day finds a pot, it's a flower pot, it's painted, poorly painted, an ugly brown, it's cracked and it's chipped, It's got the soil in the pot, and it's hard, like there hasn't been a drop of moisture in that thing in ages. You know the clump that has the styrofoam little balls in it? You guys have seen it. The little dead trunk of a stem of a flower that once was. And he picks up the pot, and he's so excited. And at the same, in the same sense, he's he's confused by how it ended up like this. And he takes it to the register, and on the way out, he grabs a candlestick, and a spoon. Garbage. We got vinyl records, stereo, speaker, clothes, everyone's checking out, boasting about their stuff. And this one friend has this junk. He takes it home, and over the next few years, he takes that pot, and he begins to scrub it. He washes out the dirt, uses a chemical, peels off the paint. He begins to Brillo pad, buff, and the, and the true color, the original beauty of that flower pot starts to come alive. It's white, sparkling white. There's a mosaic tile piece that's kind of a ribbon around the top that's colorful and blue and green and red. And really this thing is taking shape and there's cracks and chips that need to be fixed. And so trip to Home Depot, what do you do with these? They give you the stuff, fill in the cracks, fill in the chips smooth it out, buff it, you guys get the point. Years working on this pot. Candlestick, tarnished silver, looks black. Scrub it up, polish it up, everything's looking good. Night of the banquet, pot right in the middle, centerpiece of the table, holding these crystal balls. Chandelier is shining on these balls and it's kind of reflecting it all throughout the room. The room is like sparkling as the candlesticks on either side of this pot have these candles with the flames that again are bouncing off these crystal balls. Every plate is in order, every napkin, every piece of silverware, polished, shiny, it's amazing. You guys get the picture? Invites the friends over. The friends are in awe. This is so amazing, this is beautiful. Where did you get this? And one by one, the redeemer, the one that purchased these things, tells the story of each piece at the table. Goodwill. All the other places that were found, garage sale, estate sale, and tells the story of how he purchased them and restored them and has put them on display. And they're blown away. This is all junk, and you've made it look beautiful. I said, no, this is not junk. This is, was created for beauty. Somebody else has made it junk, 
I've purchased it back, and now it's displaying its original God-intended beauty. Do you see the Savior in there? Understanding the will of God and the plan of God is a story of restoration. Look at Ephesians 1.10. If we rewind back in Ephesians, Paul gives us this gem. He says, here's the mystery of God's will. You want to know what God is doing in the world? What is his plan for creation? Here it is, Ephesians 1.10. A plan for the fullness of time, that means when the time is right and it's reached the right time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. When you see the phrases things in heaven, things on earth, it means all of creation. The plan, the big picture What God is doing in the world is taking everything that's been broken by sin. It's been painted over. It's been chipped. It's been misused. It's found its way into the corner, and he has bought it back with his blood. He is reshaping it. He's sanctifying it. He's making it his workmanship, and he's putting it on display. Now, that meal, when the friends show up, who receives all the praise and all the glory? the redeemer, the restorer, the healer, right? God's plan is to restore all things. In the beginning, we know through Genesis, he created it very good. Darkness, he spoke into darkness and chaos turned into order. And he said, it is very good. Let there be light from darkness to light. Sin entered the world and confused and chaos and sin and hurt and pain reshaped humanity and reshaped our creation into something that is broken and misused. But Christ has come. And last week, Justin did an amazing job at preaching this. Light is calling into darkness. Awake, O sleeper. Let Christ shine on you, and you will be delivered from the domain of darkness. And you will be transferred to the kingdom of the beloved son in which he has promised that you are, Ephesians 2.10, his workmanship. And as a part of his kingdom, he has promised, here's the will for you. This is your place in the story, that you are his project. He has promised to remake you into the thing you were intended to be. Beautiful displaying the image of God as Christ shines on us that we reflect his beauty, his gentleness, his kindness, his love, his compassion, his mercy, his generosity, all reflecting off of you and making it beautiful. And who receives the glory for that? The Redeemer, the one who purchased you, the one who restored you, We're not going to go through Revelation 21 and 22, but this is the end of the story and the beginning of a new chapter in history. 21 and 22 is this moment where Christ comes to restore. And he says, I make all things new. The dwelling place of God is now with man, and I will take away tears and mourning and sorrow, and I will heal the nations, all of creation. It's beautiful. Revelation 21, 22. Spend some time on that this week. Now that we know the plan of God, we understand the big picture. We've looked at it 
like Javi Baez on YouTube. We've seen it and we go, I want that restored life. I don't want to use my words to tear people down. I want to use my words to build people up. I don't want this strife where there's anger and malice and tension. I want to forgive one another and have harmony and a bond of peace. I don't want to see racism and division and hate. I want to see unity under Christ as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I want it. How do I get it? Next verse. Don't be drunk with wine. It is debauchery. What's debauchery? If this is salvation, a life that's put in order in the light. Debauchery, literally the word, is unsalvation. The opposite of how God designed it to be beautiful, debauchery is out of order and broken. Chaos, fruitless deeds of darkness, restoration. He says, don't be drunk with wine. It leads to debauchery. We got it? All we have to do is be sober and we can have this life. Is that what he's saying? I don't think so. What does the word drunk mean here in the original language? Drunk. It really means drunk. <laughs> under the influence. What does it mean to be under the influence of drink? To be controlled by it. I'm no longer in control of my life. Okay? Now, some of us might struggle with this, and this is an encouragement to us to say, if we continue to drink wine in excess, it will lead us to debauchery, unraveling of God's good creation. You got it? But if you don't struggle with being drunk with wine, are we off the hook? Can you be drunk with something else? Surely substances, we can become inebriated. Can you come under the influence and be controlled by something else? The answer is yes. So the Apostle John, in Revelation, uses the phrase, don't be drunk with the wine of adultery. The wine of adultery is a different sin altogether, and yet he relates it to being drunk with wine. So my question is, Paul wrote this to the, the Ephesian church. If he wrote this to you, what would his encouragement be? Don't be drunk with the wine of romance. Like, I need it. I have to have it. Do you think it's possible that our kids could be drunk with the wine or under the influence, or controlled by Fortnite? That's, that's the third amen I've gotten. It's the only amen I've gotten. I have to. If it's not Fortnite or video games, by the way, that's a video game. Could food control you? Try and diet. And you go, I have to. I have to have some bread. I have to put butter on it. Can the, the desire for possessions, can that control you? Vacation, success, money, career, power. 
can fitness control you? Can you be drunk with the wine of fitness? Whoa, burger. Don't go there. You need a little fitness in your life. I know. I'm working on it. I have to work out. You have to work out? I have to. Why do you have to work out? Who told you? There is a power in these things that when you take a glass of wine and you drink it, it's good. How do you get drunk on wine? You drink it in excess. When you watch HGTV, Chip and Joanna Gaines, <laughs> it's good. She's creative. He's hilarious. They do amazing stuff. It's good. When you drink it in excess, you become controlled by it. Drunk on the gains? What does that look like? We have to get new floors. Look at these carpets. These are conversations that are happening in my house right now. The pads are worn out. We vacuum and half the carpet is in the vacuum. It's turning to dust. Jojo does not use carpet. I have to, I become discontent with what I have. Okay. How do I become controlled by my kid's success or my kid's sports? I consume it in excess. I think about it. What could they be? What might they be? I dream about it. I'm looking at videos, I'm trying to find, and I say, I have to get my kid on that team. You have to? Who's telling you you have to? There is a power in this world that will fill you and move you in a pattern that says this, all that you see, lust of the eyes, that you want, all that you feel, that you desire, pleasure, lust of the flesh, all that you want to achieve, pride of life, that is where life comes from. Then you can feel alive, and the pattern is like a river current. It's moving, and we jump into that stream, and we start consuming, and it leads us towards debauchery. I don't want to disappoint you. I do have a whiteboard diagram, the world's largest whiteboard right now. This is you. As you relate and consume what the world is telling you, you can find salvation. Whether it be your kids' youth sports, your kids' grades, Fox News, HGTV, it's good. Drinking it in excess puts you under the control of the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience. This is, again, a reflection on what Paul has already said in Ephesians. The prince of darkness. There is a pattern to this world that is opposed to God that is controlling us through a spirit. And we get led by that spirit to cast our gaze upon the kings of this earth. And you go, you lost me. I had you there until you said kings. When I was a little boy, Tony Gwynn was the king. Am I right, Leo? Tony Gwynn was amazing. I collected all his baseball cards. We didn't have a team in Arizona, so San Diego was the closest team. We went there, we watched him. Tony Gwynn was amazing, okay? My parents would have me pose for a picture. 
I didn't even have a bat in my hand. And I'd do this. <laughs> and I'd stick my cheek out. Brian, put your, don't do that. No, 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 just take the picture. It's my baseball card. Now, they never told me, imitate Tony Gwynn. Why did I imitate Tony Gwynn? I had feasted on baseball and MLB. It's what I wanted. My life would be complete when I was a major league player. And it put me under the influence. Control. I was drunk on baseball. And that spirit pointed me to the king of baseball. And I began to imitate him with my life. Do you see how tricky it is? Tony Gwynn's not bad. Watching baseball is not bad. But now I'm feasting. I'm drinking. I'm drunk on it. The scripture says, do not be drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. Do not be controlled by these powers in the world, but be controlled by the power of God that's been unleashed in the world, Acts 2. When Jesus took his place on the throne, he sent the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? The power of God was unleashed on earth to do what? to carry out the plan of God. What's the big picture plan of God? Restoration. Unity under the Lordship of Christ. Go to the next one. So, opposite. As I relate to God, as I feast, as I drink in excess, a relationship with God, I put myself under the influence or filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like a wind, and this wind is blowing here and there, but it is accomplishing the will of God, all things under the Lordship of Christ. And if you want to see this restored life, you need to raise your sail and allow that Holy Spirit to blow into your sail and lead you into this life. It is the power. All we can give you if we say, put off, put on, put off, put on, put off, put on, and maybe some of you are frustrated at, I am trying. I'm trying to be gentle and kind. Trying to be gentle and kind. I'm impatient. I'm trying to use words that build others up, and I find myself tearing people down. I'm trying, I'm trying to forgive, but I'm bitter. I'm trying. Unless we have this key the Holy Spirit, we cannot see this realized in our lives. Okay, church? It's not in our own strength. So the question is, Brian, how do I, how do I raise my sail? I'm glad you asked. The rest, of, go ahead and put the rest of the scripture up there. Here's the ground balls. Ready? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Addressing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. You get it? Do I need to keep going? Okay. All right. I don't know if that was clap worthy. Sharing scripture with one another. What are the songs and hymns and spiritual songs? They did not have Bibles when this was written. Okay? They had to go to the synagogue. The songs and hymns and spiritual songs are the word of God that they've stored in their heart. They'd memorized, they'd soaked in it, they sang the song to the point where they could share it with others. Dan and I get in an RC together, a small group, 
and he encourages me with this word, and I come back at him with this word, and I say, this is what I learned this week, Ryan. This is what God did in my time. And you go, that's amazing. That hit me right where I needed to be hit. And here comes another word right back at me. I'm consuming and I'm drinking to excess the word of God amongst the people of God. I'm addressing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And it's so normal. You can be like, ugh, small group, coach, next drill, please. Is this doing anything? Yes. It's the practices that raise the sail that lead us and unlock this new life so that we can be the crystal ball, shiny reflection of the kingdom of God and our great king to the rest of the world. Addressing one another. The second thing, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. We just did this, and I listened to you, and I was stirred. I fell in love in that circle. I fell in love a little bit more with Jesus. The Spirit was moving me to the King, and I want to imitate the King because you sang to God from your heart. What we do on Sunday and singing is a part of raising the sail so that we can catch the power of God in our lives and unlock new life in Christ. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always and for everything. Hey, give thanks. Give thanks. What are you thankful for? Give thanks to God. In the name of Jesus, give thanks. Okay, isn't there, like, isn't there like a seminary class I can take? Nope. Give thanks. Doesn't the church have something more for me? No. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Worship the Lord with a melody. Make a melody in your heart. Give thanks. It's normal, but it raises a sail, and it gives us power to see restoration happen. And the last one, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The domain of darkness, it goes like this. Me over you. I'm right. I achieve. My way. My TV show. Social media. Look at me. Submit to one another. You. Consider each other's needs as more significant than your own. Social media. Look at them. It's a for others life. For me, for others. Do you see it? You live the for others pattern. You raise the sail. We see restoration. We together, church, will shine in Gilbert. We'll shine in Tempe. We'll shine in Chandler and Mesa. And we will reflect the beauty of our creator and our redeemer. And who gets the praise Jesus, who's sitting on the throne and has promised at the fullness of time, he's going to come down, Revelation 22, and like an explosion with a ripple effect, it's all renewed. Amen? Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, forgive us for being under the control of good things that you have created and we have overconsumed and we've been seduced. We say things like, we have to. We're under 
power. And yet the good news is, is you came and you defeated the powers through the grave by the resurrection and ascension to your throne. And the manifold wisdom of God is said to those powers, you do not reign over us anymore when we live new lives in Christ. We speak to the powers and we put them to open shame. We remind them they have no rule here. Christ, you are ruling over all things and we desire that life that's lived under you that bears fruit in godliness, in Christ-likeness, in flourishing. Shalom. So we repent. God, I pray after the sermon, God, you would bring to mind the things that we are controlled by under the influence of drunk with. And that this week, we would raise our sail and you would blow your power into it and you would make us your workmanship and change us so that you would receive the glory and we would receive the joy of this new life in Christ. We pray in Christ's name, amen.